This is the Power of Genetics podcast. In each episode, I'll be interviewing successful practitioners and impactful thought leaders in the world of health and performance. They will share their journey, their insights, and their best advice for us all. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe. Let's begin with today's episode. We are on another episode of the Power of Genetics podcast, and today we have a special guest, Monique Klaas. And before I hand over to Monique, as I often do hand over very quickly to my guest, I do want to say, first of all, welcome, Monique. It is wonderful to have you join. Oh, it's, it's an honor. And then I'm going to start off by talking and before I hand over to Monique, just to tell the parents that I had of being introduced to Monique. So having heard your name from many places, I attended a conference in October 2023, where um, I got to hear Monique um, speak. And um, it was one of those conferences where you were given like a really decent amount of time of, 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 of time on the stage, which nowadays doesn't happen so much. And I was sitting next to Dr. Christy Hughes and I was like, oh my gosh, like I have always wanted, always wanted to hear Monique. I've always wanted to meet you. Please, will you introduce me? Do you know her? Which was like, of course, hysterical because you two are like soulmates and have known each other forever. <laughs> so please introduce me, please introduce me. And 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 what a what a special time it was for me to be able to hear you speak, to be on the stage with you, to have dinner with you, to talk with you. So this is um, really, the, I think the moment I met you, I was like, you have to be on my podcast. So huge welcome. It has been very special for me getting to know you over the last couple of months, starting in October last year. Um, your story inspires me and continues to do so. So I really want to have everyone know a little bit about who you are and why I'm so excited to have you. So maybe if we could just start with a little bit about um kind of the the what what you are you know you know you know nurse practitioner kind of where you are and everything and then we will start on understanding how you got to be at where you are great so thank you I mean I felt the same way about you so you, you meet some people and it's just like connection right off the bat and and, and that's what it was it was just an, an understanding of who you were as a human being and the, the authenticity I mean that just lit me up and your excitement for genetics and making genetics accessible, right? You just have passion. I, I love, I love passion, you know, regardless of what people are doing, passion lights me up. So, you know, my passion was people, always people. So I, I went to nursing school at University of Virginia. It sounds like I'm going way back, but I went to nursing school and at University of Virginia, the nursing school separated from the main campus. And so I was in nursing classes but they were teaching me same old, same old. So I used to cut nursing classes, medical classes, and go to main campus and sit in on poetry and theology and spirituality and psychology, because I felt like my education, even though nursing is a little bit more patient-based, it was missing some essential ingredients for healing. And I, and I was searching for them. So I almost failed out of school. I mean, they brought me in and all that kind of stuff and talked to me. It's like, well, you know, what's the deal? And I was like, well, I'm going to the main campus, which they thought was a little crazy, but, you know, gave me another chance. And down at University of Virginia at that time, they were, it was a hub for psychedelic research, for bringing in like Ram Dass and meditation teachers and bringing in Kubler-Ross for death and dying. 
so you know I was drawn to these things just really drawn just for the deeper quest of like what's life about what 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 are we here for at a kind of an early age so Kubler Ross and Ram Dass really spoke to me so after I graduated I worked hospice initially to kind of reverse engineer like well if I can understand death I could understand how to help people navigate life like I needed the polarity of that so started hospice and then ended up OB OBGYN circumstantially that's just not because there wasn't an opening when I changed hospitals to work hospice and you know at that time ran into Joel Evans who was an OBGYN and we were just friendly got along chit-chatting and he was a traditional doc but open simultaneously I was getting my first master's in holistic nursing down at kind of an NYU College of North Shell collaboration where I was studying energy medicine and had that wonderful opportunity to be in the operating room with some top surgeons that were, and I was doing energy work and researching it. I wrote the IRBs. And what we found was just amazing how you can stimulate healing, right? So it's kind of when love and skill work together. When you've got somebody, I would sit with the patients for weeks because at that point, they had to be on these things called LVADs to keep them alive. So I'd be with them while they were waiting for their hearts. When the hearts would come in, I do energy work over the heart and then be with them in the operating room and they knew I would be with them. Well, the outcomes, me and my partner, Ellen, would do this. The outcomes were phenomenal with extubating them faster or with less depression, all, all kinds of things that they didn't anticipate. And so, you know, how do you quantify that? But it was a real learning for me that you know, we have this skilled cardiovascular surgeon, but without the other piece, you know, where are we? You know, this kind of like, how do you integrate these things? So that, you know, so I was always drawn to the inside out, kind of the mind, body, spirit was my first love and connecting with people on that level. And medicine was fascinating to me because it gave me the opportunity to really sit with people and explore the phenomenology of healing. Like what's the phenomenology of healing? And then, met Joel and he was into functional medicine. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. Uh, I thought he was a little bit crazy with the words and the context and this idea that you can change genetic expression. But then like, he was so passionate about it, just like you are about genetics, just like I was about the inner work with people, inner healing, that I, it caught on fire, right? You know, passion's contagious. So I started showing up at the lectures and it was like lights on. You know, I understood that if we married these things, that the potential was unlimited. So I learned everything I could and I didn't know much in the beginning. I mean, honestly, like nothing. So I started just like, you would see the patients in a functional way and then I would coach them before coaching was a word. So this is back 30 years ago, I would like sit with them and go over their labs and like, what can you do with lifestyle? And, you know, that was my role was really learning it that way through coaching them. Like, you know, how do I interpret the test? And then how could I explain the test to the individual? And how can I inspire them to make changes that would, you know, be sustainable for their whole life? Because to me, the lab test without the inspiration and the support doesn't go very far. It's information without inspiration doesn't get you outcomes. I love so, that. Inspiration. What was it? I just want to make sure I remember it. 
Yeah, information without information without inspiration. I love doesn't that. get you outcomes and vice versa. Information plus inspiration is limitless in my mind. So that's how I started, you know, just doing not doing these little things and learning it from ground up. I didn't even know the terminology. I had never been to a functional medicine conference. And then they asked me and Joel to present uh, at an AIC, a lunchtime meeting. I was terrified. I had like a one-year-old that I brought with me. She was breastfeeding. You know, he was giving the first lecture with all the science. And then I was giving, you know, kind of the clinical piece of like what, what rolled out when we, you know, did lifestyle with some of the medical foods and like the outcomes with coaching people around a functional medicine care plan at, at a lunchtime. It's funny. They didn't even because I wasn't registered, they let me give the lunchtime lecture for metagenics, but they wouldn't let me in the conference. They're like, well, you're not, you're not registered also. So I laugh about that. Now. Oh, that's funny. That is very funny now being on faculty and all, um, now we're laughing. Yeah. Now we're laughing. So, you know, that was kind of my, what I would call my debut. And I didn't know what was about to hit me. And then, you know, shortly after that, David Jones, who was president, um, decided and and Dan Lacazer gave me a call and said, you know, will you speak at the conference in a breakout room? And I got to tell you, I went through this whole head trip. You know, I'm a nurse. They didn't have any nurses and hardly any females lecturing the time. I said, I'm a nurse. I don't really know functional. I don't really know what I'm doing. I went through this whole, I, I was giving Dan every reason not to have <laughs> me speak. And he's like, do you know mind body medicine? I said, yeah. He goes, do you know how to integrate mind body medicine, functional medicine? I said, yeah. He goes, then you can speak. I was like, okay, okay, I can speak. So, you know, I showed up and gave this lecture and, um, you know, there was Joe Pizzorno who was, you know, president at the time and some important people in the room. I didn't even know they were important people and they kind of blessed it. You know, the thing about the people of functional medicine is they don't care what your degree is. Like yeah, if that's you, true. you know, and you can show up in, in service of, and you know what you know, and you're bringing a piece of information to bridge a gap for them, like they're down with that. So regardless of my degrees at the time, you know, I, I you know, I did, did have some degrees. I was a, I have a master's in holistic nursing and a nurse practitioner degree. So, but it wasn't at that moment, everybody was a PhD MD at the time and hardly any females. So it was groundbreaking for them, but they supported it. They knew it was important for uh, the clinicians. They knew it was important to, that's why it's in the middle of the matrix, right? Mind, body, space. Right. Yeah. So, you know, kind of evolved from there where they're like, listen, we got to, before you show up and like start lecturing big for us, you got to go through the official chat. I had never even gone through AFMCP at this point. I just learned it through osmosis. So they sent me through AFMCP and then, you know, it, it's many iterations throughout the years of, you know, refining my skills, understanding functional medicine, uh, understanding genetics, understanding how to bridge the coaching piece and just, you know, learning my craft, as they say, and learning from my patients and, and the feedback and the, the consequences. But I'm a clinician by nature. I'm a lecturer and an educator by kind of default. It was never something I set out to do. It was something that, you know, came to me and, and, and I stepped through the doorway. So that's kind of the, the backstory of who I am and how I got here. But for those of you listening that think you don't know enough, I knew nothing. I, mm -hmm. I really, 
on, on a genetic level and on, on, a, on a test kit level and a supplement, like I knew fish oil, vitamin D, very, very basic stuff. And here I was like full in. So you don't need to know a lot in the beginning. You just need to, as they say, get a glove and get in the game. And you start learning as you go. And if you're interested and you're passionate, it's just like, like listening to you speak and listening to people speak, it's like a charge for me. The learning is exciting and fun. And you're always thinking about how can I apply it to the patients that I have? Every time I sit in a lecture, it's like, oh God, I have this patient and that Bob Brown, she just said this, and now I know what to do with it. So it's this constant learn. It never ends, right? You know, never ends. And I, I always say, you know, most of my career has spent firmly embedded in imposter syndrome. And I think, you know, still to this day, whenever I lecture, I always go and say, I wonder who's going to be in the audience who knows more than I do. And when I started out, I knew nothing. I, I, I mean, I literally knew nothing in genetics. I, I barely knew what a gene or chromosome was. And I had to get the textbook out and like, what is a chromosome? Or what is a gene? So I think it's, too, you know, it's that, it's that fake it until you make it. It's, it's about, um, you know, the imposter syndrome we all suffer from. I've yet to meet awesome. someone in this industry who doesn't. And I think making peace with it and understanding that it's part of the journey, um, it never goes, I mean, it, to, to a large degree, it actually never goes away because the more we know, the more we know what we don't know. What um, we don't know, 100%. Yeah. And I think that, in, I love what you said because people often say to me, I don't know enough about genetics to start using genetics. And I'm always like, jump in. Patient one, ask for help, you know, get the mentorship, call someone, like you don't have to ever do anything alone. And, you know, like with you, it was, you know, you had all these sources, but you still had to have the courage to jump in and, uh, and nothing's changed with that. You know, it's still, I'm always just encouraging, you know, people say like, how did you land up in nutrigenomics like for 22 years? I'm like, because not because I'm the smartest kid in the block because it definitely wasn't, but because I, I probably was like the bravest and boldest in terms of doing something without knowing enough. And it's what you speak to, you know, it, yo, it took such courage to speak on a stage when I didn't, when I knew that I actually knew so little. And I think, you know, we've learned, you and I've learned stuff along the way, but I still feel when I, I'm, I'm up on a stage that there's always going to be someone in the audience who knows more than me. And there always I, I think, I think, I think that's, that's brilliant. It, it, it's humbling. And, and I love what you said, because it is courage. It takes courage and bravery. I think the hardest thing to do is say what you don't know. Like we're trained and we're wired that we need to be the expert. We need to carry it all. We need to know it all. So to be able to defer to your colleagues and say, you know, so-and-so knows this better than me there in the audience. You know, once I started doing that, like deferring to someone that knew more than me and doing that, it doesn't diminish your credit, it increases your credit you know, and then it's collaborative, which, which is the name of the game. There's no way to know it all. There's always going to be someone that knows a different part better than you, you know, your game, but so there's something very liberating, uh, Yale about being able to say, you know, I know this, but Bob Rowdtree sitting in the audience and he knows that better than me or Yale sitting in the audience and she really knows the genes or Tom Blue sitting in the audience and he really knows the business piece, being able to like know the players and call out the expertise and allow them to fill in the gaps. Something very beautiful about that and liberating, I think. 
because that the thought. And I think that's you know it took me a long time to understand that, and and I I think also because we started out so early in functional medicine, the group was so small. But you know, you and I have just come from a conference now, and we were talking about this kind of extraordinary connection and collab. You know, and and the word that kept on coming up is kind of collaborative medicine. I don't even know the term, but it was the first time where I felt like we're so much. Um, more together than we are apart. And of course, COVID challenged that so enormously. And now we're seeing this kind of real celebration of collaboration. And, and there was this like this frenzy of connection going on and introductions and you should work with this one and you should work with this one. And this one's wonderful. And I think COVID kind of taught us how, how working together was always going to be more powerful. And I think your unique background is, uh, you know, Every time I do these podcasts, I learn about people so much. I did not know about hospice. I did not know that you started there and, you know, that you were running off to do, um, you know, um, poetry and and all these other beautiful subjects. And I always say, you know, the, the most extraordinary healers are the ones that are either second career or were studying something at the time of their degree. And you're no exception. I think I also almost flunked out of um, dietetics. So I'm right there with you because I was so busy doing other things, but I think um, you bring together, um, even long before it was acknowledged, this kind of integrative mind-body medicine before it was named, you were doing it so intuitively. Yeah, that, that's that's my uh, strength, right? The uh, the others was, was my stretch, it was my reach to really learn the functional medicine and how the systems biology approach. I mean, it took a, I had to listen to lectures over and over and I, you don't know how many times I'd listened to the same lecture till the language sunk in, till the concepts sunk in. So biochemistry, all bio the biochemistry. All right. Minnie, I'm going to pivot us a bit because I've, you know, I could talk to you for all day, all day. I could do just like 10 podcasts with you, but we can't. Very mindful of your, of, of your time. So I want to I want to bring us a little bit back to the present. So we know that yeah. So you are um, as I, say, I mean the the talk you gave that I listened to. I don't think I blinked. It was um, on so many levels. You know, both like from biochemistry um, and physiology right through to the humanness of your presentation um, and the the passion for healing and and the. And the topic was around was around cancer, breast cancer, hormones. So even like you telling me where you came from, actually, I just thought you'd always been in the space that I heard you speak about, which was really around hormones. Seems like this was a kind of a later in life um, evolution. And um, it was meaningful on a lot of levels, the presentation you gave. I think you actually gave two presentations and and um i was sitting listening to you thinking my gosh this you know beautiful accomplished authentic um expert who knows everything about this space um is giving you this knowledge and then the, the presentation pivoted and it pivoted around you and i didn't know because i just met you that you had a story you had your own story around cancer and i think i'd love you to share with us because i think um, there's so many stories, but what was so extraordinary about yours, and and there was one, there was one sentence I'd never forget. I, you know, I was meditating so much I was almost levitating. I don't know why, but that was like, that was that was the one sentence that stuck with me. As an, you know, anyway, 
And and I wonder if you you would please share with us because what is unique about you is you actually do everything right. Yes. And yet, and yet. So maybe and you yet. could just share yeah, with that yeah. a little bit. I, I think, you know, that's the line. It, it, you nailed it. So, you know, I was, I'm, I'm in the industry. I feel breast, I, I find breast cancer. I don't get breast cancer. That was my thinking, right? That's what I do for a living. And I did everything for risk reduction that someone could do. I, I was my ideal body weight. I exercised. I ate a vegetarian diet. I didn't drink alcohol. I meditated till I was levitating off the table, like I told you. But then here I was with this stage three, her two new kind of caught me off guard, you know? So it wasn't anything obvious that I had done. I don't have a family history. And so it leaves you up to that point. I thought, oh, well, we can control this with these things. And here I was, I was like, I did those things and here I am. So, you know, what do you do with that? Like, how do you make peace with that? How do you work with that? How do you understand that? And so I did two things, which is my inner work, um, my spiritual work, but also began to understand something that you're really familiar with, this polygenic risk. And, and what are the, the genes that set me up that I didn't even know could have set me up? What are the other influencers out there? You know, I was doing everything right, but yet there were still other things that I could have been doing, right? So it was kind of a combination of responsibility, both for myself at that moment, and then responsibility to pass it forward with people, anybody that is, is interested. Well, what is the deeper dive in risk assessment? What are the other things we can be doing. So how do you how do you prevent it? But then also how do you navigate it once it happens, right? On all of these levels. And so when you did your test on me, I was like, even though I thought there wasn't risk, there were risks in the way I dealt with inflammation and the way I dealt with stress and very various things. There were things I didn't know, even though I thought I knew a lot and had done a lot of functional medicine testing on myself. So it was very powerful for me. I just felt like, you know, we need to bridge all of this, you know, have people have a wider understanding of themselves, both at the genetic level and at the spiritual level. Like they're not different for me. They're, 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 they're part of the tapestry of it all. So I always say what I learned is, you know, there are things you may not like to hear, it, but there's things that are hundred percent out of our control kind of this unknown. And so how do you learn spiritually to work with whatever shows up in your space in a beautiful way as a teacher, as a guide? And then there are things that we can absolutely control, right? And so how can we control the things that we can control by knowing the polygenic risk, by counseling people based on their polygenic risk with what they can do? And how do we prevent recurrence by understanding these things? And how do we tap them into inner resources to mobilize the innate capacity to heal. So it, it's not different things to me. I realize that, you know, it's all part of the tapestry of really good integrative medicine. And I was learning it more intimately. I thought I knew it, but this was like one notch up. It is another notch up. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tackle you and I'm putting that in inverted commas on one more thing, because I think um, that came up in your story and that you didn't mention now. So um, when you found 
a lump, you didn't action it. You didn't do anything. You put it off, right? Because you were busy and working. And um, knowing everything that you know, working in the space, working with the gynae arms, working with surrounded by doctors and everything, and yet you kept on putting up. Talk to me how you understand that now retrospectively, because aren't we all just sitting in that place of I'm too busy, like my kids work, you know, I, I don't have time for this, it can't happen to me. Like, how do you understand your reticence to action it at the time? I mean, luckily you did eventually, but a lot of it was, you know, like Bill marching you next door and saying, you will get tested now. But how do you understand it now looking back? Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful question. It's a great question. You know, I had had this mindset and I had verbally said it to a lot of people, like, I'll, I'll get many things, but breast cancer won't be one of them. I really believe that to be true because I didn't have it in my family history. And the limited genes that I had looked at, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm doing everything right. It really, I couldn't connect the dots. And then when I felt it, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a cyst. I just, and, you know, then I had my sonographer go over it and it was a cyst, but underneath the cyst was, you know, the tumor pushing the cyst out. So, you know, it was off my radar screen and exactly what you said. I was like, the rules don't apply to me. Like, I'm not going to get breast cancer. Like the rules doesn't apply to me. I would never let my, would never let my patient do that. But I really had this belief that I was above it all. I was above that. I was doing everything I needed to do. And, you know, the reality is anything can happen at any given time. I just wasn't letting that perception in, right? I was just like solidly steeped in, it's not going to happen to me, right? And I was too busy. I went to get my mammogram and I waited in the waiting room for about an hour and a half. I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, like I got patients to see, like it, it was just kind of addicted to the busyness is probably another level to it. Like I kept putting it off because I was too busy and I didn't, couldn't admit that there could be a problem. It just was like beyond my comprehension because I, I leaned into, I was doing everything I needed to do, mm. but there's, you know what, Yale, I think there's the physical reasons things happen. And then in my mind, there's the medical, uh, metaphysical reasons things happen. And so, so to me, it was just as much metaphysical as physical yeah. because it took me on a journey of having to learn, you know, I spent my life removing toxins and here I was getting IVs with three different chemotherapy agents. And how do you work with the reality of that and hold them both? So what I really learned is you need both medicine, right? You, you don't just punt, but there's a way to to hold all of this and lean in and be bigger than whatever is presented. Like, you know, my body was getting these things done, but internally my spirit always felt well, hmm. even though Amazing. my body didn't. I always felt well inside. I was like, I feel good. So wow. I was like, okay, it's happening physically, but it's not touching me metaphysically. And there's a place I can transcend to. And I don't know the script. I was like, so when I came out the other end and I wasn't supposed to have the good outcome that I had, I said, you know, this is, this is what I need to do. I need to educate as best I can people and help people through things in whatever way I can and just 
make it like more of a mission than ever to help people integrate all these things. We all have these biases, right? I'll never do medication. I, I had that bias. I'll never I have those biases. Yeah. I, I'll never get a mastectomy. Everything I said, there it was getting it done. So, you know, it's, it's the humility of that, the, the acknowledgement of all of these things that kind of opens up the invitation or the portals to deeper understanding. So I would never trade it. What I learned about myself, medicine, and the people that came into my life. I mean, it, it, I can't even articulate the beauty within this. So I, I bless it. I never, people say, oh, you're a survivor. I, I can't even connect with that. I'm a breast cancer survivor. You know, I'm a person who went through breast cancer, but I don't take on the diagnosis that way. It, it was my biggest teacher. I guess being a survivor is a bit like being a victim. So yeah, yes, it's the opposite end of the Yeah, point. If you take one, you have to take the other and you don't want to be a victim. 100%. And you never felt a victim by the sounds of things. I never, I never felt a victim. Yeah. Never felt a victim. Amazing. Okay. I want to ask one last question. So often, often what I, what I like to finish off with, and I mean, we could talk about genetics, but thank you. You've, you've kind of spoken about it as we've gone through. So I don't even have to bring it in. What I always think about um, is, you know, your, your younger self, or as I always say, you know, you're presenting at a conference and you're speaking to a couple of hundred people in the audience who are starting out in their journey as any health professional. And, and like you, um, both of us really don't think that the undergrad curriculum is the most important of what determines the great healer. So you're talking to all these wonderful practitioners who are dreaming of, of they're looking at you and they're hearing you and they, you know, the, the extraordinary impact you're having and the wisdom that you've gathered and the connections that you've made, you know, what would your advice be to them in, in, in their journey heading out? First of all, be, be kind to yourself, like with where you are now, be curious and committed and passionate about next steps. And if you can find a mentor, stay close Look for the people that are doing the work that you want to be doing and find a way to be close to them. And that's what I did. You know, I got close to the people that were doing the work I wanted to be doing. And I learned everything I could just by watching, not even asking questions, just watching them work. And, you know, you, you got to do that. You got to be curious. You got to love it. You got to kind of follow the lead like that. You know, you're not going to learn this over. I'm still learning it's not like you learn it over. It's not like you ever get it and you're done, right? It's it's this evolution, but start with what you're passionate about. So if it's nutrition, you start from that lens, right? If it's genetics, you start from that lens. If it's mind, body, like myself, you start with that lens, learn everything you can and put it together and find really surround yourself with people that are on the same journey. And there are many. And I, I mean, I'm the huge fan of the mentorship, the mentor journey. And you know, I always encourage everyone, just ask. You would be amazed how many say yes. Um, I think especially in our industry, um, I have never had anyone say no. You know, when if you're seeking knowledge and, and you know, and someone has the wisdom and you don't, and you're authentic and you're doing the work, um, I have never heard a mentor say no. Of, of I won't help or I won't listen or I won't talk to you. So I always encourage everyone just step step in and ask. Ask for help, ask for mentorship, ask for support, ask for direction. 
Um, I do think, and it's an extraordinary, um, and that's actually true whether you're a, a client, a patient, or a practitioner. Hundred percent. But it's a, you know, I think something you said in the beginning of our conversation about bravery and courage. You you have to have the courage to ask, and and it, it takes a lot of courage and bravery to kind of step in and let people know what you don't know. And, and you think it's going to be like, oh, they're going to judge me. People are happy to tell you what they know. They, they want to share. They love to talk about what they're good at. So it's once you realize that, like, if you're listening, they're talking. That's how, that's how you learn. So you're listening, you're talking. And I'm going to finish with one last question, which I just thought of while you were talking now. And I have, you know, I'm in my 50s and I have a lot of friends in my 50s. And it's kind of a wacky time for us. Um, it's also where there's a lot of cancers that I'm hearing about and we're experiencing amongst friends and family. So I often get the question, you know, how do you, I'm, I'm going to throw this back to you. The question I get is, you know, how do you choose a genetic testing company to trust? Um, how do you evaluate it and, and, and feel safe? So I guess I'm, the question I'm going to ask you is I'm asking on behalf of all the people out there who are, who are kind of my, my contemporaries and saying, you know, how do I, how do I find the right carer? How do I find the right practitioner to walk this journey with me? Who, what questions should I ask and who should I be looking for? Because I think even for me, and I'm like deeply embedded in this industry, when I had some health issues, I did not know where to begin. I didn't know who the right person was to reach out to. And these are some, you know, my best friends. So I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like, how would you, what are the things that someone should be looking out for when they're looking for someone to help them manage through this journey of cancer? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's a great question, but I, I think there's a couple of key ingredients. First of all, they've, they've got to love what they do and they've got to be good at it, right? So they've got to have expertise. Second of all, which is just as important to me, is that they engage you in the healing process. These are your options. What can you, they're not so dogmatic that it's their way or the highway. It's got to be a conversation. There's got to be options. And if you choose something different than the recommendation, they support you in that choice. Because to me, then it's a, it's a self-directed journey of healing. And it's not determined by someone else's expertise, but you're marrying the expertise with your inner knowing. So you, you've got to be with someone that appreciates the physician within and makes that part of the healing because that is the healing. It's both. And I, I, was, I was blessed to find that with the practitioners, with the oncologist I work with and with the surgeon, they were that. And so I was deeply blessed. Well, I cannot think of a better time to, to close, close off today. Um, thank you, Mini Class, for joining me today, for being a colleague, for being a friend, for sharing your wisdom. As always, it has been absolutely wonderful to talk with you. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com backslash podcasts.